Hey guys, uh, Mecca here. Um, so real quick, I just have to break it down for you guys. Okay was ill uh, last couple of weeks, so we had to throw together real quick doing a the podcast rather uh, via remote. And because of that, we had a couple of technical issues. And the key, uh, the big issue we had was uh, audio. So the audio is a little bit, um, how do I put it, fuzzy. Um, and um, it's not as clear as we, we would want it to be. So we're just going to ask you guys to bear with us with something I definitely we're going to fix moving forward. Uh, but that's, that for this episode, you, just, uh, you could kindly bear with us and uh, go through it. We appreciate your support, your, um, you know, everything you guys have done, the feedback, the community, everything. Um, if you haven't liked, subscribe and shared, you know, definitely you should. Uh, we we appreciate that 100%. So um, that's just it for it. Uh, so we'll delve into the episode. Thanks. Appreciate Good day and welcome to a special edition of the Offside Muses podcast. On behalf of my uh, co-host, Emeko Nyagwa, I'm delighted to welcome you. In today's edition, we're going to revisit a point that we made in our last podcast. And that point is that rather than think of the 2023 elections, that Nigerians should actually think of an interim emergency government to take over from President Muhammadu Buhari. And the argument is that Nigeria is too broken to survive the stress of another election and at any rate that the nation is in such a bad place that an election is not going to solve any problem, rather that the incoming government is going to meet a disaster that would only get worse because things are simply dysfunctional in, dysfunctional in Nigeria. So we have a country which has been hobbing along on a constitution that is illegitimate, a constitution that was handed down to us by a few men in the military, and a constitution that has failed to animate a sense of national consciousness and national pride, a constitution that does not sustain a democratic, development-oriented space. That's one problem. The other problem is that over the 20-something years of what we call, uh, began by calling our nascent democracy, that Nigeria has gotten progressively worse. And Buhari, everything has come to a head under Buhari's leadership. This is a time for Nigerians to sit down, have a conversation about what it means to be a Nigerian citizen, what the nation means to us, and to find indeed if there is any purpose to continuing the idea of Nigeria. And if the idea of Nigeria animates enough Nigerians and they want to continue, then they must agree on the terms of engagement with this entity called Nigeria. So in today's podcast, we're going to 
break down a number of issues which people raised in reaction to the first episode where we raised this question of calling off the 2023 elections. And one of those questions that they raised was a question of constitutional, um, uh, under what constitutional arrangement should we call off the elections? Okay. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, a bunch of other issues that really will make the point that, uh, that the elections will be a terrible idea. You're welcome again. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Uh, I mean, the last uh, one we did, I mean, the last, one, last episode we did, last right? Episode we, 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 had, we had um, a lot of response, uh, obviously. A lot of people um, yeah. responded, asked questions. And obviously, since we... Uh, since the last one, the last a lot one, of things happened. Happen. Uh, we're not able to um, do a, um, an episode the following week. Um, logistics, you fell ill. Um, so that's why we didn't uh, do the need follow-up anyway. But in between that time, a number of things have happened. Uh, there were the conventions that happened, uh, which we might touch on a little bit here um, in terms yes. of the political parties, ones people were looking out for, and what's termed as a big, big, the big two, or now the big mm-hmm. one, if you want to be active. Yes. You also had other smaller conventions and the VP picks, and people talked about it. And um, you could you could definitely see from the responses, even though a lot of people would say, we essentially are talking to probably more elite Nigerians or more um, um, open-minded people from around the globe who want to learn more about Nigerian politics. Um, mm-hmm. But even on the ground, forget about um, elite Nigerians, you know, um, or, you know, more, it's been even on the ground looking at uh, pictures, these uh, things, and even being on the ground personally, you could see the uh, translation, to, you can see the frustration. And it's in a lot of ways, it's bearing itself out in voter registration, uh, the conversations that we have, people are having um, on ground in terms of what they want to do. Uh, and people say, uh, you know, you, you'd see the the leaders, you know, social leaders in different aspects. We saw the conversation and the, the for instance, as an example of, of this, we saw the uh, interaction between uh, the Reverend, the priest in Inugu and Peter Obi, Reverend Mbaka and Peter Obi. You know, so you, you can see a level of um, concern of different sorts. Some people don't care. Some people just want to line up behind the candidates. And they, they already have. A lot of people are frustrated and they want change. Um, yeah. Some people want to just benefit. But overall, you can clearly see that the majority of people are not in any way, shape, or form satisfied with anything about their lives in Nigeria currently. Uh, for so many, for a, a large number of reasons, 100%. So, um, you know, um, we could touch on a lot of the comments. If you have a few that you wanted to talk about in terms of what, what would be the outlook or the framework of, 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 that, of that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, one one of the objections that that um, part of the pushback that we received, and um, I I remember that somebody uh, was actually very insolent in in putting this is to say, hey, you guys are ignorant, um, and said, uh, under what constitutional provision are you going to have an interim an interim government? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that resonated, you know, um, precisely because it, it's, it spoke to me about a kind of mindset where people are caught in, in the mire, really, of, of, of an absurdity. But they think that they must enslave themselves to a constitution that is indeed the central problem of the Nigerian space. It is a Nigerian constitution which did not receive any kind of um, social validation or political validation by the constituent parts of Nigeria. It was simply something concocted by uh, the last military regime and imposed, if you like, on Nigerians. And it is indeed possible for an imposed constitution to be a riveting, moving constitution. But this is a, a particularly um, um, weak uh, constitution whose provisions seem, um, its essential positions uh, seem calculated to hobble Nigeria, to keep Nigeria um, going one step forward and ten backward. Okay, it is this constitution that has brought us to um, the perfect storm of absurdity and of dysfunction, where our politics are now dominated by the least enlightened uh, part of our country. And I'm not talking about the geographical part. I'm talking about the least enlightened politicians uh, in the country uh, or the least enlightened people in the country are the ones running our political space. So Nigeria is a paradox, right? So we have great scientists doing wonderful things and winning laurels and prizes all over the world. We have great writers who are winning great prizes all over the world. We have great um, medical scientists, doctors, surgeons, and so on, uh, financial people, people working in the technical, in the tech world, so Nigerians excel in different parts of the world. And of course, you come to the arts, you come to music, you come to, um, to um, fine arts. You know, you have Nigerian artists, musicians and so on, who are making millions of dollars and who have fans all over the world, right? But when it comes to politics, we have the worst possible and the least enlightened and the least educated elements 
come forward to run the country. And these are people who are willing to do whatever it takes, willing to kill, willing to buy delegates with ill-gotten funds, willing to do all the willing and dealing to ensure that they secure the tickets. These are not men or, and women who have the capacity to think about tomorrow. And so when you have your worst possible 11 playing your politics, then everything else ha goes wrong. Even when you have the best writers and the best um, tech people, the only thing they can do is ultimately to run out of the country in order to have a sense of self, a sense of fulfillment. And so we need to redraw that constitution. And so the fact that the constitution does not provide for it is in fact a reason why we must do that. And so somebody who says, why is that in the constitution? No, it's not in the constitution. But Nigerians, ultimately, the Nigerian will is superior to the constitution. So all that Nigerians need to do is for the different sectors in the country, the people in academia, and by the way, we know that the strike by lecturers is still ongoing. It, it, what does it say? When professors and lecturers have been on strike in excess of six months, okay, so students have not gone to school, it's not a country. We don't have a country. That sort of thing does not happen in a proper nation. So Nigerians ought to know this, right? So we need all the various sectors. We need labor to come together. We need academia to come together. We need students to come together. We need professions of different kinds, lawyers and doctors, to come together and say, okay, we want a pause on this process. We want to rewrite the rules so that we have sanity within the rules. And the rules should properly set out what a constitution, uh, you know, the, 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 the arrangement between individuals and the, and, the, and the Nigerian space and between the different states and the center in Nigeria, um, set out what will be the rules for our elections, for example. Okay. So, um, so you no, know, there is no constitutional provision, but that actually shouldn't be an impediment. The, what we should have is the will of Nigerians to create uh, a different path other than the 2023 elections. Yeah, I think it, it seems what you're saying from historical perspective, um, right? It seems like a lot of people do. A lot of people do that. We draw the distinctions between the absolute rots in the Nigerian system, which people would say prior to that, at least they felt there was some hope. Mm -hmm. so, so, uh, and the, the people draw the line as the 99 constitution. So many things people draw in the feudalization of land uh, mm -hmm. from the north into the south, with where uh, it used to be the case. The south, now you have all, all land in the state belongs to governor kind of thing. But in so many ways, the political system is 
is is is structured in a way where it can't work. Um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't lend itself to create any kind of, uh, um, uh, cont- you know, reflect the will of the people generally. At the end of the day, it doesn't. And, you know, people could make the argument that in America, well, you have um, gerrymandering and, and Reagan, mm-hmm. etc., mm-hmm. which shapes or form. Um, but largely, I mean, largely what people do in those countries like America or the UK is capture the media. And people don't understand how important that is, how important the media is. And when they capture the media, uh, people are filled with false information. So at the end of the day, by election night, even though um, the outcome is not pure representation of where most people are in a, in a place like America, as an example, it is pretty close to it. And you could argue against it because, well, you feel like people have been um, misled through very clever schemes of people. But in Nigeria, it doesn't even matter. It's not even about. um, Mm -hmm. It's not even about. It's just simply and purely a system where there's no. You can go down the list from the structures to the um, everything, local government structures, revenue sharing structures. It may be a few good things you could see in the system is that the system has resisted anybody from imposing themselves perpetually. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't resisted people from controlling the apparatus of the state perpetually. Mm-hmm. A good case mm-hmm. in point is like Ebola Tinubu who has colonized the largest state in the country um, through a, 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 a system of um, intimidation, Extortion, um, uh, propaganda, uh, and yeah, his fans will come out and say different, but um, the facts are there, one hundred percent. It doesn't change anything. Yeah, that um, the structures in the country, essentially. The way, if you go back and you look at the how it, how it gets worse from ninety nine, um, mm-hmm. it has always been there, and I've maintained that uh, it has always been there for those who don't understand structure and who may, who wants who you know want to who are open minded to getting educated about how Nigeria came about. You go back mm-hmm. to the way the British Empire to structure Nigeria. And I always say it, and this is a summary of it. And they hand over a country to, uh, they hand over a country designed to fail and designed to be independent. That's the goal. That's always been the goal. And yes, people would say all kinds of things. But for the purpose of this conversation, yes, you have, you've had Nigerians rule the country. They removed the queen as the head of state in '93. It became a republic. And all that, but at the end of the day, as in the case of not just in Nigeria but a lot of African countries, when you 
purposefully go out and educate and design a class of people that would, you know, be dependent on you and you rubber stamp it. They are going nowhere. And for those who want to sit down, a good case in point is global geopolitics of today. See that a lot more. So from 99, you've had, you've had that situation where we've had a constitution that um, the only good thing I would say about it is not even from the, it's not even that it was it's in the constitution. It's the fact that people go out of their way to make sure it doesn't happen. The uh, per perpetuating themselves, like I said before, of perpetuation of human beings perpetually in distance. So, you know, the question at the end of the day is: people want to set the will of you've, you've said it, the will of the will of um, people can overpower the distance. Largely, you can see it on the ground. Um, it's it's not a call to anarchy. Neither is it a call to uh, military military involvement or any of this thing. Because I mean, that's even worse. Yeah, you know, that's even worse than we've seen that. We know what that book is like, and we know why it's like that, and why it's always be like that. So that's even worse. Um, it's probably more of a call to. Um, the institution of the republics, the home of the republics, the French Revolution, that ends up spreading around the world and, and spreading um, um, democracy in even places like it, starting, starting full democracy in somewhere like America. Yes, America borrowed its ideals from republicanism, of revolutionism, from the French Revolution. And even though the French Revolution in its aftermath did produce Napoleon, I have to say, it helped produce Napoleon because of the overreach of certain people like Robespierre and so on and so forth. Um, it still had a framework which has survived till today. So it wasn't smooth sailing, but at least it, it gave a structure where people globally have taken and even within France has uh, maintained a republic maintain mm -hmm. a system mm -hmm. even though the system itself does maintain backhandedly does maintain neocolonialism openly too i mean this is not an argument um you can see what happens with the currencies and the riches and the way africa is still branded till tomorrow um which is something you see globally and which is something um the french society at large support but that's not the conversation the conversation is that by and large, it has sat down and created a structure and a framework which has taken the French Republic forward from a monarchical system to a system largely of the people. Mm -hmm. I mean, essentially, a constitution gives a people a character. Okay? A constitution um, uh, defines a people. All right. So you look at a people's constitution and it tells you something about their aspirations, their dreams. The Nigerian constitution is slapdash. Uh, it is, it has no character. It's, it's, it's amorphous. Okay. Um, it is clearly the product of men who had very little, uh, vision um, and very little imagination. So they couldn't dream um, a lofty nation, 
uh, into that constitution. So it's a very uninspiring and a very unjust constitution. And that's one thing a constitution cannot afford to be, is to be seen as, uh, if you look at the way that is instantiated a certain number of local governments in the country and made it near impossible to create more local governments in areas of the country where clearly um, they, um, a fair allocation of local governments has not been allowed, okay? Or if you look at something like, um, I was talking about this uh, back in Nigeria during my recent visit. How does it make sense that something like power, electric power, okay, electricity, is a, an exclusive federal uh, domain in the Nigerian constitution, okay? So what happens is that a state like Anambra, for example, which has uh, not just Anambra, let's say, let's say the southeast, Okay, Aba is one of Nigeria's industrial, perhaps the most vibrant industrial hub in Nigeria. If you had regular electricity in the southeast, industrial production, industrial capacity would be greatly enhanced. But the fact that such matters are exclusively within the federal domain and the federal government is absolutely not interested in the power wars of the people who own industries in the Southeast is particularly pernicious because the Southeastern governors can get together and say, we want to do a power project. We want to give self-sufficient power to the southeast uh, and this can this is also true of any region in the country right it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that we have 60 years after independence we have a centralized police in a situation where the occupants of power in the center have shown no sense of restraint or prudence in using the police in the past, in the recent past, to facilitate the rigging of elections or to facilitate the intimidation of particular chief executives. Or if you look at even the powers of the EFCC, okay? So the EFCC goes after state governors. Um, the Nigerian constitution has this terrible um, provision that they call security vote. So the security vote allows a governor to spend a chunk of money every month without the obligation to explain how and where he spent that money. And these monies are appropriated by the state legislatures. So they permit the governor, they say to the governor, you can spend such and such an amount on, on security. 
it's a recipe for corruption because we all know that many governors simply many governors simply pocket that money at the end of their terms the EFCC would then invite a governor the EFCC which is a federal unit invites a governor to explain to them how he spent money that was appropriated by the state legislature the state legislature is not asking questions, even though I know that that money is stolen, but there is a deep constitutional question there. Does the EFCC, should the EFCC have the power to investigate an appropriation that was done within a state, an appropriation that constitutionally allows the governor uh, leeway to, to spend without accounting? Right? So what we should do is in redrawing our, our constitution, eliminate the need, eliminate that provision for a security vote. If there is a need for a security vote, it should not be managed by a governor as it's done in America. It should be managed by a security apparatus, independent, you know, answerable to the governor, but not simply the governor by the governor say so and so on but there are other issues okay so when we talk about uh the 2023 elections you look at the ASU strike which has gone on for 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 too many months and we see absolutely no end in sight then you look at the a Kaduna train attack that happened in which several people lost their lives, in which the attackers took scores of the passengers and are still holding them as we speak today. So when the Nigerian state, the resources of a state, and this attacker thing happened late March, I think March 28 or something, as we speak, the Nigerian government has not been able to trace the people who carried out this attack. They've not been able to release their victims. They've not been able to even give an account of how many victims there are. So the state has failed. And this is a government that is run by an ex-general. Okay. Then you look at a couple of weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday, the attack that took place in a Catholic church in Owa on the state, okay, in which close to 50 people perished, perhaps more of them, a lot more of them seriously maimed, still in the hospital. It tells something about the um, failed state of Nigeria, that that whole encounter excited conversation in, the, in Nigeria for maybe two days. And then people moved on to the primaries. And it wasn't as if one politician at the primary came up with a blueprint for addressing the issues of terrorism that have gone progressively worse in the country over the last 20 years. 
okay, not one political presidential aspirant spent any amount of time detailing how he was going to, or he or she was going to address this issue. All they did was to distribute money to the delegates. And in the case of both parties, the candidate who had the most money and who therefore was able to distribute the, to distribute the most money won the party nomination. Are Nigerians satisfied at a time when university lecturers are on strike? Students have been at home with their parents, okay, idling, that we have candidates who have so much money that they were offering, in some cases, up to $50,000 to some delegates. Okay, where a lot of delegates made out like bandits and some of them now took new wives, some of them bought cars and so on. Is this a country? And what does it say about these political aspirants? If they spend all this money, are they spending the money to become president in order to give us a great Nigeria? No, they're buying a lottery ticket to loot the country. And anybody who doesn't get it is brain dead. Nobody spends that amount of money to become president so that, oh, he's going to give you, as some of them are now, find fashionable to say, we're going to turn Nigeria into Dubai. No. If somebody has a plan to turn your country into Dubai for you, he will unfold the plan. He will say to you, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to find the money to do it. And he will try to persuade you with his vision, not with his cash. Yeah. The, I mean, the, um, the reality of... Uh, I mean, we're going to touch on a lot of these things, um, one after the other. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when you take them together, the reality of... First, that massacre, first and foremost. Exactly one year, the prior massacre in Yoruba areas. I've forgotten the other one. The Owa massacres. Anyway, and they came in a year later, same thing. And it's been it's been a consistent thing around the country. It's been happening. In some cases, they'll try and attribute it to other groups. Which, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I, I've never seen any evidence to to, to, to attribute um, large-scale violence. I don't know if that's not even val- large-scale massacres to most of these groups. They want to, internal groups that are fighting for one thing or the other, whether it's IPOB or Dudua Republic or what, whichever one. I've never seen anything that would say they would walk into a church and massacre their own people. Sounds very. Hard. I think the, 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 the federal government, the federal government said it's um, members of the Islamic State of um, of, of West Mali. Africa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So yeah. so so again, evidence of a failed state. So these people go into a crowded state, in the, a crowded church, in in a city, in a fairly 
populous uh, town. They commit this atrocity and they make their escape. Okay. There is no, there is no, 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 nobody has provided tips. The, the police and the security, other security agencies in Nigeria have absolutely no idea. Okay. So even when the federal government said it's uh, the Islamic State of, of West Africa, the, 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 terror, the terror group, the splinter group from Boko Haram, it is merely guesswork. And some people are suggesting that perhaps it's because Fulani Hertzmen were being blamed, that the government is playing cover for Fulani Hertzmen. So they want to say, oh, is this uh, splinter group, is the Kanuri people, you know, who did it, right? Um, but when, the, when a state begins to fail at its primary task of protecting lives and property, it is not a state that where people should engage in the luxury of another election, okay? You get these things, you get these basic things right. In an interim government, okay, you put down the, the, the architecture of a proper, you, basically Nigeria needs to reform every sector. Our civil service, our bureaucracies are broken, okay? There are no rules anymore. We did uh, a section months ago about the accountant general, uh, the auditor general, sorry, and the findings about how much money was missing, appropriated money in Nigeria, stolen by uh, civil servants. Okay. We have lots of states that are not paying salaries. Okay. Um, we, we, we don't have roads in the country. We don't have electric power in the country. We don't have health, working hospitals, and so on. So it's 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 not. Uh, it's it's there's nothing currently happening in Nigeria, and it's going to get worse. By the way, you know. In fact, I got a call. I think I told you about it from uh, a former military officer, a former top military officer, and I think it was a former police I think he was a, so, also a political office holder as well. Precisely, yeah. He held a political office. And he told me that the kind of attack we saw in Owo had actually been happening all over the north, but that somehow the government had instituted a media blackout on reporting these events because they, the government's argument is that the terror groups feed off of that oxygen that the more report reporting you do the more incentivized they are to carry out more attacks um and then from a different source i was hearing that by 2023 almost every dollar that the nigerian government uh, gets from oil revenue should go to service nigeria's debt yeah, I think the, the estimation was um, at the time, uh, right before Nigeria got his debt forgiveness, which really was, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, at least they had some people that had some friends to realize that. And that's the, those are the facts. Those are the evidence of how these countries have structured their neo-colonial empires through their um, neo-colonial people or their, pro, their, their puppets. Sat down, they sit down, they indebt a country, they tag on all types of rates and interests and, you know, they, they make you borrow stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they had um, they they had paid the they had paid the debt back anyway. They had they, they come in and they bring in a technocrat of you know, people like Okonjo Wala, who is now WTO this thing, and they get the debt forgiveness. But the key point is, prior to that prior debt to that forgiveness, they were at I think thirty billion dollars at that point in time, right? Probably roughly roughly adjusted for inflation. You have to go go back and check. Today they are at almost thirty eight billion. See. Right. So, so it tells you that every and every other aspect of the economy did make did make sure it doesn't work. Even mm. when they signed bilateral agreements like the Agoa Act, signed the Agoa Act with the United States, and the Agoa Act essentially allows goods and services to come into countries tax free. So for America, America has a capacity to export its um, intellectual properties. Um, IT software, depends on what it might be, sometimes even some of the IT on phones. Like, for instance, take an iPhone, if you, you value the software, the iPhone is $1,000 as a rough figure, you value the software at 700 bucks, comes into Nigeria tax-free. The reciprocation of that is supposed to be that, setting goods to go from Africa in Nigeria, we're talking about Nigeria specifically, the United States tax-free. The kind mm. of goods we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, camera quality is bad, though. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Go. So what what's going to happen is, um, because this thing is going to be on two, it's uploading. The one it downloads, it should be better. That what? When it downloads, okay. when the camera, when it downloads, it should okay. be better. Okay, okay. Yeah. But anyway, so something like the Agoa Act, right? They're supposed to be able to take... Um, stuff like food products to the United States, uh, certain most foods tax free. Um, the Americans have their own system of bringing the food in, which is something that is easier to navigate. But the problem is from the people in Nigeria, the moment they signed it, somehow, some way, successive governments have made it, um, near impossible in some cases to. To, uh, bring to uh, export some of those food products. And you'd find out, and it's a fact, you find out that stuff like um, chocolates are easier to export because they want to refine it, create it, and they sell it back to Africa. But stuff like um, stuff that could take over the market, chocolates are easier to export. Palm oil is kind of, you know, things. Sorry. But stuff that could really make it dent like cashew nuts get mm-hmm. you know they don't allow it it doesn't get exported as much as it should be and mm-hmm. so on cassava so on and so forth it doesn't get exported and a lot of that a lot of that problem tends to come from this thing always mm-hmm. it's, for some way shape or form it's always, successively mm-hmm. it's come from those governments if you go check it out so, mm-hmm. so you literally see those things built infrastructures um, um but you you literally see it 
in the in the in the structure of Nigeria. Um, what in the exact point I was trying to make with that, but um, but when you get back into it. When no, you, look at you know, we, we, we were talking about, uh, of course, the, the debt crisis and, oh, yeah. and how yeah. it's... So, it's, so, it's this so when, when you get into it, the debt is the first thing. You see the debt and the, the, debt and the reality of the debt coming up. Uh, they've borrowed into oblivion. We don't know what they're using the money for. Um, and that's, a, yeah, that's the crisis is that um, there's no sign of what all this borrowed money is we are invested in right and I mean, so no, we're, we're paying we're paying for these things we've had uh great earnings from uh from from our oil revenues there is nothing to show for it and then we borrowed all this money and we have nothing to show for it but we have to pay pay all of it back you yeah. know yeah and that's how they got the first forgiveness they mm-hmm. they they made the case they called it forgiveness but really yes. It's, it's showing the it's more it was more or less showing the receipts. Oh, we borrowed this much. You guys yes. took us off, blah blah blah. So they took it off yeah. and then they, they cleared most of it down to four billion, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's back at thirty-eight billion. There's not much to show for any of that. We don't know what they you know. We don't. In fact, in one case, um, Rutimi Amichi mm-hmm. signed a loan with uh, the Chinese for uh, railways, and it's not just the Chinese. It's the same thing the Europeans yeah. and this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's almost the, the entire document was blank mm-hmm. to be to be filled up eventually. Yeah, most of those documents, the the the, the um the the fine print of the loan, you know all that stuff. Most of it was blank, so you end up in 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 you know all these things. And then you look at it, you look at what's happening in terms of security. Um, the other day was the insurgents mm-hmm. coming in with a heli- helicopter. Multiple sources confirmed it. We have, to, we, ha- we have to. We have to. We have to. We we have to do an entire show about this because is it the insurgents who came in with a helicopter or was it Nigerian troops giving giving terrorists cover? A good what question. is it? You know, I mean, you see, that's another reason why there can't be an election. This is not a country, right? Whether it is that insurgents are able to fly a helicopter in a Nigerian space where that is prone to attacks. And so the government doesn't have the resources to shoot down this helicopter so they can fly in the Nigerian space with impunity and strafe villagers who have been attacked on the ground as well by hurtsmen. So it's either hurtsmen now have helicopters, and if they have helicopters, then who is funding these attacks? Who is, a, who is funding these ter- terror groups? So can we, even just one of those kinds of incidents, just one, in a country that is a real nation will bring everything to a halt. But every day there is such impunity in Nigeria, there is such absurdity in Nigeria, and we keep pretending. Our president goes to sit down at his party's convention 
Okay. Okay. As if he's president. The man has absolutely no idea of what's going on. Okay. So he's simply occupying space, but is not acting like the leader of the space that he occupies. Okay. And, and, and so how do you even, can you imagine in America, can you imagine not even America, imagine Kenya, okay, such a thing happening, okay, so I, I don't know, so, some Nigerians like to pretend that they have a country, we don't have a country, we don't have a country. It may be possible to create a Nigerian nation at this point, even though a lot of people have their serious doubts. And every day, increasingly, I have my serious doubts. Okay? But I'm willing to say that if Nigerians will get together and say that they want to keep this contraption called Nigeria, I'm willing to go along, provided that as to paraphrase Wilisha Inka in the trouble with Nigeria, that justice must be at the center of the Nigerian project. Okay? I mean, already, I mean, everybody knows that I've always said um, that the entire reduction of politics to ethnicity does not sit well with me at all. Okay, and I've said before that I'm not, I'm, I will never look for an evil president, that I look for a good president, because Nigeria has never had a good president. But when we see the game happening in Nigeria, where it's as if the Igbo, there is this concerted plan to keep the Igbo, scheme the Igbo out of contention with uh, serious political office, I think we need to revisit the whole idea of what does it mean to be Nigerian? Do yeah, we all believe in that project? And if we don't believe in it, can we arrange how to divorce from that space? All yeah. of us, for the health of all of us. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible. I was watching... Um, the Umbaka thing. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah. uh, not, uh, I mean, that's, 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 a, and that's something we'll talk about, but I posted it in one of my, in my, my high school chat Because I, I did, he did go to the seminary from my, from my, from my father's house, from my house. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He did. Uh, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Educated, go to, go educate went to seminary for my father's house, and apparently, his bishop is also from like my mom's first cousin, from my my mom's umuna as well. So, yes, um, it's um, he was the one that when my my parents were getting married, he came to make sure my father was a good Catholic. That your father That's how, was a good Catholic. That's it. Um, Bacchus, the bishop of, of Bacchus bishop. Yes. So when I saw that this thing, I'm like laughing because I, I understand, uh, and it, it ties into Nigeria. I understand the backdrop. 
to some of these things. The way Nigeria is structured, the way the church is structured, the way the church has to get money, people think they have money, but they don't. I've seen those arguments with people. People get angry when they come in. There are some priests that in rural areas in Nigeria, they don't, they, 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 they literally have to just start roaming around houses to eat. It's that bad. And yeah, it's that it's crazy. Like we don't even even I'm, and I'm saying this in, in reference to our conversation. We'll go deeper into that later. That even in religious systems, you you might see a, a pastor. And I'm going to read a quote attributed to Martin Hasekuka. You might see a pastor or pastors in Nigeria, multiple pastors with private jets, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But you get down to it, you see a lot of people who are dying, priests, uh, distance. They don't, they don't, you go to the rural areas, the majority of it is rural. Um, if you go outside of the Lagos and Abuja, where you have, where Anumbaka cannot grow, Anumbaka cannot thrive, they get a lot more money from other places. Um, you feel like these guys have money. When you go into the other states, the smaller states, you now see a situation where most of these priests cannot. And Anumbaka or Father Ede is able to utilize their um, persona. Yeah. <laughs> generate funds for themselves yeah. and hire a priest. There's this quote that is attributed to, I was going to read it, uh, to, uh, uh, Matia has a cooker about anyway. First class, first class people in Nigeria go on to be uh, so so and so engineers. Second class go on to be lawyers. Third class go on to. Uh, I was trying to get that. Third class go on to to, to to do you know, and then they essentially the high school dropout uh, end up becoming they, they become politicians. <laughs> yes, they become politicians. They they and 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 they run the lives of the rest of them, the people who are <laughs> first class, you know. And I it's, it's, true. Oh yeah, no, it's it's clearly true. Um, another friend of mine has said that those who should be sort of the get men in Nigeria are in the you know centers of power. And those who should be in the centers of power are now they are get men, you know. I mean, you look at it, every Nigerian idiot who has been governor has found it necessary to hire one or two really big-name professors to work and say sir to him and to, to, to butter up this buffoon, um, you know, I, I remember I, I, I was critical of, um, of Ibori years ago when he was still governor. And a big name professor wrote a column, you know, attacking me. And he said that Ibori had um, um, totally transformed Delta State, every sector in Delta State. And then after Ibori, uh, left the governorship and uh, the EFCC arrested him. The semi-bury asked for a return of his passport so that he could go abroad for medical treatment. So I said, no. Somebody said you had transformed your entire state. 
So you should go and get medical treatment from a hospital in Delta State, which you have transformed. You know, but the shamelessness of uh, of of highly educated Nigerians, or at least highly uh, certificated Nigerians, who lend themselves as houseboys uh, to to just the most rustic element in the country, um, it's it's it, it goes, it goes, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you've given a bunch of examples where you you personally sat down with political office holders. We've we spoken about that. You personally sat down with political office holders. And even when they are... I know you might not use this term, but I will use this term. When they're extorting um, aspirants, mm -hmm. the person collecting the money is the professor. Oh, yeah. You know? Absolutely. That money is a professor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's, it's like it's like yeah, it's like sit down there and, and for those who don't understand um, how politics works now in this era in Nigeria, if you even want to run for most mundane position, mm -hmm. you have to go and do consultations. Mm -hmm. And what these consultations really requires <laughs> is, in most cases, you will end up at night in somebody's house who is mm -hmm. a stakeholder. Mm -hmm. And then you will um, bring your your good words and tell him that your intention is to run. Um, you know, or ha. <laughs> most times mm -hmm. they eat anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> your intention is to run. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all that. And then hopefully the person will be like, at the very least, okay, I will not oppose you. I might not mm -hmm. support you, but I will not oppose you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then part of your homage is that you need to bring a brown envelope. Mm -hmm. And give this man. <laughs> mm -hmm. You need to bring some things. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you know, you, and you, you go and see a bunch of this, you know, uh, people yeah, are, yeah, who, have yeah. who have created this into, into an office. You know, into it's an sad, office. So, so at, 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 at every level, at every level, we have, uh, we have a country that needs to be reformed. Um, uh, there is no, we're so behind, and our structures as in uh, the, the country is structured in such a way that, um, Public policy uh, is subordinated to the political agenda, immediate political agenda. Okay, so a friend of mine, for example, worked for uh, a past um, gov uh, governor in the southeast, and. Um, he described to me one day when he was they were at um, uh, an executive council meeting. Elections, re-election, the governor's re-election was coming up. And um, so some projects that the state needed to, to engage in, especially uh, road projects, came up.
And um, my friend said, he's called his friends and um, said, listen, this is not a time to do any roads. Uh, we need to vote money to go and mobilize people. And that was what carried the day. So all the projects that would have any impact on the lives of people were just swept off the table. And the commissioners and the other senior political appointees got allocated money to go to their communities and go and mobilize. And of course, what they do is they go to the community, give one or two people money, pocket the rest of it. And, and so you see that so much, if you, if you look at the amount of money that went into uh, the, the two parties' presidential primaries, okay, the, the, the amount of bribes that were widely openly reported, and somebody was actually quarreling with us um, for saying that the political candidates were buying uh, their tickets. And uh, somebody said to me, do you have proof? Uh, you know, how, how would you defend yourself? I said to him, well, I'll hire you to defend me. Because if you're such a, yeah, yeah if you're such a fool that y you think, y I mean, of course, it's an open, it's not even a secret. It's open information that it's money that is dis distributed by the candidates. So the whole come to the platform, put them and make a speech is just um, a kind of side show. The money is a, is a main show, okay? Um, and so the amount of money, you know, you're talking about governors who are not able to pay salaries, but they are running for a po political office and they're able to give people ten to $15,000, and that's another issue. The fact that, that the dollar is now the, the currency of transaction, political transaction in Nigeria, the, the currency that you buy your delegates with, that you buy loyalty with, okay? Um, what does it say about us? It says we don't have a country. And so how do you even talk about elections in a country that doesn't exist, okay, except by pretending that it exists? And um, so ultimately, um, if Nigerians want to have a semblance of a nation, they have to work at it. And there is no system, there is no incentive. If somebody runs for president under this defective, fraudulent constitution and wins. They are going to operate the constitution because it's easy for the president to run a fraudulent constitution that allows him to, you know, put away so much of Nigeria's money knowing that there are no consequences ever, okay? And then he'll do his own, perhaps even borrow more money mortgaging the country's future, which is already in very bad shape, okay? And then hand over the broken shell of a nation to his successor when it comes time. Um, so it is in the interest of Nigerians to say we want a space that at least allows us 
the best possible opportunity to recreate ourselves as, as Nigerians. And the only way you can do that is to adopt this idea of canceling the 2026-2023 elections and adopting instead a constitutional, I mean, not a constitutional, but an emergency transitional government. It's the reality, like, and, you know, the earlier thing you said is you've never been, you definitely are not one that was um, tribal in, in nature. When I, when I say tribal, I don't mean the way we use it in Nigeria, you know, tribal is more of a cannibalistic a way. Yeah, a pejorative way. A very antiquated, anthropological term. Yeah. But there are two separate things from saying, hey, you want... Everybody should be, and everybody should be allowed to contest, and you know the system should be fair to people, as opposed to being like, okay, we're not, we're going to exclude you, we're going to exclude a group from contention, and it happens all over Africa, by the way. I have a Kenyan friend who, for those who don't know, they make the same pejorative about Luos, who are very similar to the Igbos as well. The Luos in Kenya um, have produced. Internationally, the, the most famous overall, if you're looking at it overall, the most famous Kenyans overall. Um, it doesn't matter who it is, um, but they make the joke that you can go and be the president of America, like Obama. You're not going to. Even though right now there is a distance. So I, I text a friend of mine who is um, with a different ethnic group, the Kalinjanis. I text her what she thought about um, uh, the vice president, um, Odinga, Odinga, son Odinga, what's his name? Edward Odinga. Mm -hmm. Odinga, Odinga. Mm -hmm. uh, Odinga, Odinga was one of those names. Odinga, Odinga was one of those. Uh, so, yeah. But it, it, it is it's a different case uh, when you have a system. Odinga. Yes, there you go. Raila Odinga. You know, he had like 14 kids. One of, two of his kids are politically active, all that stuff. It's a different case when you go, when the system prevents. Uh, you know, and it's mostly done out of um, the call it ethnic bigotry prevents Igbos. Um, seems it is a constant effort to be like, yeah, we don't want Igbos anywhere, you know, all that stuff. Um, and, it, and that that is had it been the case of okay, you're going to have good leadership. Now that's great. Nobody would care whether it's an Igbo person or not. But I think El Rufai is the governor of Kaduna State is the perfect example. He came out, talked about it, and starts lecturing people about, oh, you can have a Muslim Muslim ticket. Yeah, you're right, but you're not the guy to make that argument. Because he came up and said, well, oh, he picked up the best person. And the best person is a, is a, is a, is a Muslim female. Yeah, El Rufai has... Undoubtedly, I think one of the one of the, one of the upcoming journalists in Nigeria is a guy called. Um, big shout out to him because I've listened to him a whole bunch of times. Uh, Stephen Kefas. Arufa is one of those guys that has been systematically oppressing indigenous people and you know the indigenous uh, people from Kaduna, shifting them down south into Christianity, massacring them. And those are the massacres that they cover up all the time. Erufai has been more than complicit in those things. And not just massacring them, creating emirate structures, emirates, and creating emirs, where you don't even have Muslims. And they would make an argument that they would start off with saying, yeah, the Syrian 
hierarchy Muslim of uh, Tuscan, so please. And before you know it, you're the enemy of the place. And that's what he's done. And he's made that kind of argument that, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, you can't, but, you know, it clearly does. It clearly shows just how bad you are. Like I, like I said, I don't know where you can find Stephen Kefas's work, but he does a lot of great work. He goes out there. He's actually on the ground. Um, reports on these things very well. And you'd see people would go distant and you end up with bad leadership and the bad leadership is now looking like well we have a female deputy government mm. why yeah why does any these things don't and again what i say female deputy governor or certain ethnic group needs to be in power it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what does matter is good governance mm-hmm. but the problem is we don't want good governance and better than that they seem to be um even a lot of the southern minorities, some of the southern minorities, not a lot of them, ethnic groups, they seem to be determined to prevent an evil presidency. The question is why? Mm-hmm. You know, one thing would happen here, they would say, oh, it's, at a time, anything that happened in the southeast, then people would say it's IPOM. Like, IPOM can be very unruly. You can, you can have the entire person pick, pick and list them. But I, I don't see a situation where they go out to massacre their own people. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could see a situation where somebody might die in a scuffle with them. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Who still mm-hmm. massacre an IPOB or Bidua Republic people? Or I don't see it, man. I, it's weird. But anyway. Well, I, I tell you something, though, you know, because, um, I mean, sometimes there's uh, a tendency um, to um to make uh moral claims um for our groups um you know kidnapping that happens in Igbo land it's mostly Igbo people who are kidnapping fellow Igbo people um there's been a movement uh in a really go- gruesome direction where you now find Igbo people engaging in decapitation, okay? So there is the worst uh, form of the desecration of the human when you sever somebody's head and you start kicking it around. And then people distribute these things as videos and, you know, it's like uh, there is a perverse kind of pleasure that people take in uh, because you know when people send me such videos i i warn them i of course cannot will not watch such such videos but also you know even in political terms um is it not evil prostitutes political prostitutes who are the most um who are the most fervent enemies of 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 Igbo political aspirants, okay? So how many Igbo delegates in the two parties' uh, primaries voted for an Igbo candidate? How many? Okay? And what did they vote for? They voted for money. They took money from other candidates and voted for them. So when the Igbo insists that it's our turn, to produce a president, 
uh, I've always said that we must make the case that we have the best candidate. In other words, not because he's evil, but because he has the best platform for changing the country, all right, for transforming the country, which my argument is that there is nobody who can ha have a platform now to transform the, a country that is constitutionally defective, okay? But it, it should be, I think it was a chastening uh, moment for me that for people who are insisting that is their turn, that Igbo candidates um, in the two pol political parties in the APC and PDP um, primaries, that Igbo candidates came across as, as laughable, you know, and that Igbo delegates, you know, did a good trade, if you like, um, uh, you know, took me. I mean, I understand that there were some delegates who took money from candidates, did not vote for the candidates, and then returned the money. You know, and um, in some cases they were told to keep the money in one case that the candidate is arranging to send them to Hajj, you know, um, for for their honor in returning the money. Um, uh, you know, and, and that's the, the thing, my brother. We have to do a program because the only, the only good thing going about Nigerian politics now, right, if you ask me, is that is good comedy. <laughs> but, but, but it is good comedy except that it isn't because it's the lives of people and it is tragedy that is rendered comedically. So ultimately, if it wasn't for the, for the overlay of tragedy, one might actually say <laughs> that you follow Nigerian politics, you follow a politics where a, a, a candidate like the vice president, Yemi uh, Osimbanjo, gave a, the kind of speech, right, that you might expect a major American politician to give or a major British politician to give. It was filled with pathos. It was filled with, there was a depth of feeling there, Right. He spoke mm -hmm. well. He spoke ultimately ridiculously when he talks about <laughs> sending people an all-black cast to outer space. So the there will be... The, the moment the guy said he wants to continue from where Buhari left off. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I talk about, the, tra the, the tragedy. So yeah. it's comedic. But when he says, I want to continue from where Buhari, you know, left off, then you're saying, this is tragedy. This man doesn't understand that he and Buhari have destroyed the country. And that if you, and a, a bunch of them, I know a bunch of them, you know, there's uh, some Igbo candidate, again, talking about Igbo absurdity, right? An Igbo candidate who came out and said, uh, uh, some of you are talking about how you met Buhari in... Uh, 2005, uh, 2015, 
I've been with Buhari since uh, 1999. <laughs> so, you are boasting about knowing somebody who has failed, knowing him the longest. You know? Oh, we got to go. We have to go. We got to go. My people, my people. My people, my people, yes. <laughs> <laughs> our our president, our president Rochas. <laughs> Yo, that, that was the best comedy show. When you want to just send me the link, I just sat down watching it and I shake my head like, oh my god. <laughs> my people, my people, our governor. <laughs> no, no, I mean, our Jews are Kalu. Rochas, I mean. Hmm. You find Reverend Mbaka, you know, saying because a former governor did not come and give him the, a donation, therefore I'm cursing the man. It will never, he will never succeed. <laughs> Yo, that, you know? that, that, that is just a guy reeking of um, in between desperation. Uh, desperation to keep his own political like like it's almost like he heard about all the amount of money that these people were collecting and it's like ah mm. we're distributors are yeah, giving me this more way hey, people have to give me more yes <laughs> you know it was just outright naked yes uh, oh, shameless no, shameless naked ah <laughs> uh, anyway the whole anyway. thing is just comedy man. and the reality is exactly what you're saying Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Jesus Christ Himself cannot go there. <laughs> Not there. The, the structure is just. Yeah. No. The the, the ah. truth is that the country we have is not a country. All right. Uh, again, to recap, uh, if Nigeria were a country, the kind of of spree of violence um, uh, in the country would not exist. Uh, criminals who terrorize people, who kill, commit mass uh, massacres, will be caught. But in Nigeria, it's as if a hundred percent of crimes are not solved. Okay, a hundred percent of serious crimes are never solved. That's not a country. Uh, in a country, you don't have university students going on. I mean, not university students, but university lecturers going on strike for more than six months. And the government is absolutely indifferent as the young people waste. A serious nation understands that its students are its most important resource, that you can't waste them. A serious nation will not have the kind of massacre that happened in a Catholic church in war, and yet not solve that crime. A serious country will not have political candidates who cannot express in the most basic terms how they want to get, where they want to get the country and how they want to do it. So we need to recalib recalibrate the country, okay? Or to indeed to calibrate Nigeria for the very first time to say that these are the terms of the game, 
these are uh, and to create a proper environment so that the country's best talent mimicking the talent that we have in the area of football the area of 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 uh, music and the arts and the area of science and technology and so on, we can then unleash our best 11 in terms of imagination and vision and leadership to emerge and to take the country forward. Well, we thank you very much for joining us on this special edition of Offside Musings. Have a brilliant rest of the day. Yep, same here. Yep, same here. All right. Mm. All right.